on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me wanna shout. McCoy in the backfield, takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Nobody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. ESPN Radio 97.7. ESPN Radio Utica Rome. Oh, Mohawk Valley. What's up? How are things in Utica today? Oh, you can listen wherever you are. You know, I don't care where you are right now. You could be in Walla Walla, Washington for all I care. If you have the ESPN app and you hit the listen tab and you find ESPN Syracuse, then you can take us with you wherever you go or wherever you are. Listen to us. A lot of people are on spring break. I've heard from a couple people on this. Hey, I'm on spring break. We're here, but I'm still listening on the app. i got to hear my Syracuse basketball talk. It's great. That's what the app is for, modern technology. It's a beautiful thing. Here's how you get in touch with the program today, 437-7644. That's the phone number. Brent Axe Media, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. That's how you get your voice heard today. Fire some hot takes at us. That's hot. We are ready. We have two guests joining us today. Our weekly chat with Jim Beheim, head coach of the Orange, presented by Skinny Atlas Jewelry. Coming up a little bit later on in the program. Don't forget the Jim Beheim show tonight over on Brostat TK99 and live from Shaughnessy's Irish Pub in the Marriott downtown Syracuse every Thursday. But uh, coming down to uh, the end here, so uh, not too many Jim Beheim shows left because we're getting down to nitty-gritty time, baby. Where do the Orange stand after that loss to North Carolina last night? We will certainly discuss. Joining us this hour, oh, baby, can you feel the Olympic fever finally? USA, USA, the U.S. women's hockey team, gold medalists last night, Nobody saw it, but we all woke up this morning and said, hey, we want a gold medal. <laughs> it's just this time difference. And, you know, I had it on kind of in the background while I was writing and doing some things after the game last night and, and caught it before I went to sleep. So I actually saw something happen in an amazing shootout. <laughs> what a move for the winning goal, too. What a great hockey moves. You'll see men, women, or everything in between. The USA men's curling team is going to play for the gold medal. Boom! And by the way, both of those defeats, take that, Canada. Mm-hmm. We got your hockey. We got your curling. We're coming for your poutine. We're coming for Labatt Blue. We're coming for Molson. You can keep the Mounties and your great national anthem. Other than that, we're taking it all. USA. USA. Right here in Syracuse, New York, we have a great connection to the 
women's hockey gold medalist. Ken Klee is an assistant coach with the Syracuse Crunch. He was previously the head coach of the U.S. women's hockey team. He will join us about 10 minutes from now. Looking forward to that conversation and how the U.S. built a gold medal winner. Hot takes and some usual hijinks and tomfoolery for a Thursday. But, of course, we start with last night. And there's no question we have to point at some late mistakes made by the Orange that cost them a shot at a top 10 win, a quadrant one win, a major victory on ESPN, you know, when ESPN works, which wasn't always the case last night. And Jim Beheim uh, discussed those mistakes at his press conference last night. Again, Frank and, and uh, Taz played great. O'Shea played great. We made a couple mistakes. that We only had 10 turnovers. You're not going to beat a team like Carolina unless you play really good and you can't make a mistake at the end of the game. We made a terrible, two terrible mistakes at the end of the game. Can't do that. It's very disappointing to have the ball, 70-point game, and give them the ball. That's just not a good play, and it's very disappointing. These guys played their hearts out, as they have all year long, and again, North Carolina is a tremendous team. I think that clip right there really bears it down, and it really bears down what last night's game was. What I want to start with is the part that Beheim mentioned in the middle there. And that is that this team, last night, by and large, in general, but look, last night was the game. Biggest college basketball crowd in the country this year. It was the marquee game on the home slate, which is kind of weird because usually your marquee game is on a weekend, and maybe that Clemson game is going to turn into it for basketball reasons. But if you're talking about headline grabbing, national television, buying a ticket to the game because of who the opponent is, that was the game last night. Spring break week, the weather was you know great for a walk-up crowd. Just a lot of things came together in this game last night that it felt big. And Seth and I were talking before we went on the air I, I wish that I would have tweeted this for the record, but it did feel like the Duke game last year. Syracuse came in a big underdog. Syracuse came in having to shore up its NCAA tournament resume. There's a lot of familiar things about this, and the game had that feel. Just a back-and-forth game, punch, counterpunch, back-and-forth. Just a ter- It was a terrific basketball game, and Syracuse got to play a basketball game game okay and I was wondering about that that was my big thought coming into the game last night was can Syracuse keep pace can Syracuse get out there with a Carolina team that you know can score and is going to come up the court that is the best ball movement I've seen all year in any game how Carolina does that yet no matter what Carolina did Syracuse fought right back let's let's just look at this and if you want to focus in on Frank Howard's shot the broken down play the mistakes made by Pascal Chukwu the bad three-pointer taken by O'Shea Brissett and a few other things that certainly are worthy of discussion that's fine I'm not going to tell you not to do that but it is hard not to like this team North Carolina if they continue on this pace They've won six in a row now. We've seen the talent. We've seen their offensive prowess. Every team's got flaws coming in from Virginia, Villanova, Purdue, Xavier, Duke, anybody you want to throw at me that is in the shortcut. Michigan State, 
the teams that can win the national championship, I will point at a flaw that each one of them has. Well, you better put North Carolina in that conversation because Carolina can score. They've got a great coach. They've got great guard play. They've got experience, people that have been there and done that, which is a little bit more of a rarity in college basketball these days than you'd like it to be. And Syracuse almost beat that team last night with three people. Tyus Battle, Frank Howard, O'Shea Brissett. Now, not that Merrick Doljai and Pascal Chukwu and, and Barama didn't really do much, and Matthew Moyer, you know, didn't really show up in the box score, though I think he made some things happen away from the box score. But those four people combined for eight points. Eight. 66 of the 74 points that Syracuse scored last night were from three people. And they were the three people you knew would have the ball and would have to be the primary scorers. This is not a trade secret. And one of them, Tyus Battle, goes into halftime. Three of 12, not on his game, not what Syracuse needs to counter what North Carolina brings to the table. Second half, he scores 18 points, hits six shots, attacks the basket, clutch in an 8-0 run that got spurt that got Syracuse back in the game, and Jim Beheim here on the difference between what Tyus was doing in the first versus the second half. Um, he got to the basket a little better, a little bit easier, you know, and, and I think that was probably the big difference. He, uh, you know, he uh, missed his threes in the first half for him, didn't take any in the second half, got to the basket. I thought that was the difference. It's hard to get there against this team, but he, he did a good job of it. And O'Shea Brissett did it. And Frank Howard, if you want to continue to nitpick about Frank Howard, that is your prerogative. But I'm sorry, this team is... It's not quite Jerry McNamara, 10 bleep in games time, but you look at what Frank Howard has done in the, really the last two games, and you can expand it beyond that. 15 points, six assists in Syracuse's last game. Last night comes out, 24 points, five three-pointers, and yes, the last play broke down. There was supposed to be a screen. Tyus was supposed to come off it. That's not what you draw up, even though Frank hit five three-pointers to that point. That's not the play you draw up there, down to... So, again, I'm not saying there aren't flaws and mistakes to point to because those are what cost you games against top 10 teams. But what I can't get away from is that this team is in every game they play. They play their guts out. They just find a way. They didn't get over the hump. They missed their last six shots. I think what we're seeing is that a team like Carolina is just on that higher of a level and as competitive as you make it. You can't beat teams like that at this point. But it's hard not to like this team. And, you know, look, you've got to earn it. You've got to get the wins. You've got to appease the committee. There's a process for a reason. And I am all for that, and I am all understanding of that. But tell me this is not a team that deserves to play in a tournament. Because all you want is say, okay, if I'm going to put – 68 teams in a tournament by whatever process they do it by. Some are automatic bids, some are, you know, selections by the committee. Some have to go to Dayton first. Whatever it is, you can't tell me at this point that Syracuse doesn't deserve to be one of those teams the way they're playing right now. Now, Duke is Saturday, and that is just, I mean, that's Duke. Boston College, you've got to take care of business, and then Clemson is just setting up to be a game that I think could tilt their NCAA tournament status one way or the other. That's that's really going to be it, and the ACC tournament is important, of course. But that's the big takeaway I get from last night. 
It really is. And if I felt otherwise, I would say that. But it's hard to be disappointed with this team. What happened last night were mistakes. Pascal got, you know, robbed by Joel Berry there, got his pocket picked, and O'Shea should not have taken that shot, and that's not the best situation with Frank Howard at the end, although, again, that wasn't the play call. And I can go through that game, and I can find five or six other plays, and I can point to you and say, you got to do better. But they pushed a top-10 team, and I think a team that is certainly Final Four caliber, right to the very end. Now, was it at home, and he had the benefit of the crowd and some things that you get in college basketball? No question about it. Things you will not have on Saturday at Cameron, by the way. Duke dismantled Louisville last night. Duke may or may not have Marvin Bagley on Saturday. He sat out a fourth straight game with a <clears throat> knee injury last night. And it, it appears more than likely he'll be out Saturday, though we'll see. And they've got to win two of their last three. Whatever combination that is, preferably Duke and Clemson via the, the Quadrant One thing, but it doesn't change any of that. But my big takeaway from last night is, man, they gave that team all they could handle. And nobody hands out trophies or attaboys or any of that. This is big boy college basketball. you got to get wins. But that's what I take away from last night. And we will dig into it a little bit more as we go. We'll hear from Jim Beheim later. We'll hit the phones. But... That's how I feel today. Let's see what Stephen North Syracuse thinks at 437-7644. We'll take a call before we talk to the man who helped build the U.S. Olympic gold medalist women's hockey team. First, Steve in North Syracuse. Hey, Steve, how are you, bud? Well, firstly, the reason why North Carolina was able to penetrate the zone so well is that they called out all their plays in Swahili, so only they could understand it, see. <laughs> That's a good strategy on their part. Any, anything to gain an edge. Now, and also, you, you'll notice we hit the shot before halftime. Uh, for I, once, I, I, yes. I think, I, think, I think the team did that just for you, Brent, because you'd been complaining about <laughs> That's it. That's one of those little things that's been nagging at me, and finally it went the other way. The, the universe was smiling on that for once. And uh, my final point is this. Uh, Grantland Rice wrote, for when the great scorer comes to mark against your name, he writes not that you won or lost, but how you played the game. I do hope that the great scorers on the NCAA committee, because all of our losses, except uh, Virginia and Kansas, have been close games. And when you go toe-to-toe with the number 10 team in the country like that, and it comes down to the end, uh, I don't think you should be discredited for that, but I'm just afraid they're going to treat it the same as if we lost by 20. Which they shouldn't. And look, you have to account for that, Stephen. Thanks for the call. When it is a pattern, when that is what you are, you can't nitpick, well, in these three games, we are competitive. Every game, with the exception of two, Virginia, who is doing that to pretty much everybody they play, and I forget the other game off the top of my head, but night in and night out. And if that's got to continue. That's got to continue against Duke. That's got to continue against Clemson. And it'd be nice to win one of those, as opposed to having to make the argument of, hey, look how competitive we were in losing games. But that's got to account for something if the resume is enough to be in the room and be in the discussion. I completely agree with that. And that's not the case with every team, but it's the case with this one. On that note, we will break. But we will certainly come back to this discussion. When we return, we are going to talk to a man that helps shape the U.S. Women's Olympic gold medalist hockey team. He used to be their coach. He's now here with the Syracuse Crunch. Ken Klee on the other side. Stay right there. 
This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back, my friends. Or welcome aboard. Either way, so glad you're here. Uh, Here we'd be On the Block, ESPN Radio. Hi, I'm Brent. Glad to have you here. Jim Beheim, heard of that guy. He's that coach of the Orange. He'll join us for his weekly spot here on the block. Presented by Skinny Atlas Jewelry a little later on this hour. Until then, why don't you be my guest? 437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. One thing Syracuse has to do. Look, as I brought up in the last hour, attaboys plenty. This team plays its collective butt off every game they are in every game they play, with the exception of like two. Their resume, even the losses put aside a couple games, is impressive. But look, that's not going to get you in. You've got to win games. You've got to impress the committee. You've got to get whatever it is, quadrant one wins, quality wins, however you want to phrase it. There is no reward for second place. There is, you know, whatever cliche you want to apply here, okay? Close but no cigar, go through them all. It is darn impressive what this team did last night, but they are just short of being a team that can win a game like that because of what we saw late, because a play breaks down, Pascal with the turnover. And it's what an enigma Pascal Chukwu was last night because, yeah, he had some lapses on defense and he had the big turnover and he didn't set the right screen that would have freed Tyus Battle to at least have a better quality shot to either tie or win the game. We'll ask Jim Beheim about that later this hour. But I know this, too. That team is not as competitive as it is down the stretch without Pascal Chukwu. He made some big blocks and some big rebounds to give Syracuse some possessions that they need. But as Tyus Battle said after the game last night, closing out games is still something that has evaded this team. We just got to close out close out games. That's, that's the key thing. We've been in this situation uh, multiple times throughout the season, and we just got to close out games. So that's it. Here's O'Shea Brissett on the pressure on Syracuse's big three that includes himself, Tyus Battle, and Frank Howard. We want to be in those uh, type of situations. We want to take those, you know, those shots because you know, coach trusts us to take those shots. So, you know, if we don't take them, then or or if we don't make those plays, then you know, who's really going to do it? Once we start doing it, then you know, it gets the whole team into it. You know, the team focused on us three, and then that's when Marek and Pascal get those, you know, those little uh, points right there. So. Uh, I feel like us three are really ready for the moments, and we want to we wanna be in that, that limelight kind of. Jim Beheim brought it up last night. We will discuss it with him later on this hour. Those late mistakes against an elite team like Carolina can't make Well, I, I think we did everything we could offensively to win. I think, you know, when you get, when you get tied, you can't make a turnover in that situation. O'Shea took that shot against Florida State, and we talked about it. You know, it was a terrible time to take that shot. We're driving, we're scoring. It was just a really bad play. And uh, Pascal gets a rebound and then gives it to Joe Barry. You can't do that. It was a tremendous effort uh, both ends of the court. Uh, I thought you know, our press didn't work except that they, they went to the basket and missed three or four shots. So it worked in that sense. But we never did get a steal. But we got them going to the basket, and they didn't finish. Here's Frank Howard on the takeaways from this game last night. We just got to stay focused down the stretch. You know, uh, we had some missed assignments, you know, on the boards. And, uh, you know, they uh, I mean, they just made some big-time plays, you know, from the big spot, you know, getting in there, get some extra, you know, second-chance opportunities. And, uh, 
you know, we just got to execute down the stretch, you know. Um, There's a few plays we didn't uh, execute all the way, you know, uh, lost focus. So, you know, that's, that's basically what, what I take from his game. That's Frank Howard. One more from him on this upcoming game against Duke and the keys to, you know, staying in a game like that. Syracuse showed last night they can keep up with an elite team. Can they do it against Saturday? Uh, you know, have a lot of great players, you know. we got to keep the guards in front and uh, keep the bigs off the board. Now here's what Tyus Battle said about the game-tying shot. I don't know who set the ball screen, but it was a good ball screen on the fast break, and Theo backed up, so I knew I had to open the shot. And uh, when I get going like that, I feel pretty confident taking open shots. So uh, um, I went down, but uh, it was a tough loss. All told, an aggressive second half for him. 18 of his 26 points came then. O'Shea took an ill-fated you know, three-pointer. When Syracuse was having success getting inside, 8-0 spurt, mostly Tyus Battle, but O'Shea started that run with a dunk, and then, you know, just like he did against Florida State, you could hear the disappointment in Jim Beheim's voice when he described that because they had talked to him about not taking that shot in that situation. He's a freshman, kind of making that transition to a sophomore now. They still make these mistakes, but they're compounded against such a great team. By the way, correction from earlier, as I see in my email here, from Stephen, Mr. Doherty, thank you for the email, says, uh, Brent, you mentioned Pat Driscoll, one of the only refs to eject Coach Beheim. Hate to say, but correction on that, in the exhibition game, Pat gave him his first tee, but it was Mike Kitts that gave him the second technical, and Kitts ejected him. And then, of course, Tony Green ejected him in the infamous Duke game in 2014. Yes. There you go. Only two times. And those are the two. Thank you for the correction on that. Yes, Pat called the T, but it was Mike Kitts that followed up and threw him out. Thank you for the correction on that. 437-7644. Scoot in Jamesville or wherever you are. Parts unknown. Scooter, what's happening, man? Well, I'll tell you, it's curling's good, though. I mean, they're just a stone sweep away from the, uh, the uh, gold medals. That's going to be good. Catch the fever. Catch the curling Fever. We took hockey. We're taking curling. We're getting Molson next. We're coming for you, Canada. This is revenge for the War of eighteen twelve. Boom. But you know, you know, you arrive when Geico does a commercial for you. That's, that's, <laughs> you know, you know, curling's, curling's here to stay. You know, actually, it's interesting. Now, I haven't seen uh, Joe Lenardi's at, that bracket after last night's loss, but I was watching some uh, West Coast games last night, and I was shocked to see that Washington is like the fourth team out. And here's a team here that, if you're going to go quadrant ones, must have more better quadrant ones than Syracuse. I mean, when when you win at Kansas, I mean, that's kind of trump anything Syracuse has done so far this year. And you go Arizona State, Arizona, in the same, in the same uh, week. And I was just kind of shocked to see how far they have dropped because I thought they were kind of in the tournament, kind of solidly, you know, 11 11 seeds. So it'd be interesting to see how far Syracuse will drop after losing to North Carolina. If you got teams like Washington, who's actually ahead of Syracuse, actually on the other side of the bubble. And, you know, I saw Miami is kind of getting on that cut line now. They're like a 10 seed. Louisville, I saw today, is one of the uh, first four out, according to the bracket matrix. So, I mean, those are still solid wins for Syracuse either way because they're quadrant one wins. Those are still top 75 RPI teams. But that's the thing, like quadrant one games are becoming quadrant two games now, and there's a lot of things that can happen around you. So you have to control your own destiny when possible, and beating Duke, if they can do that on Saturday, and beating Clemson, 
after that and avoiding you know a pitfall against Boston College. It continues to be the case. Now, the walls came in a little tighter after losing that game, but Syracuse still controls its own fate. By the way, slight correction on this. I should pull up the audio of this. I'll, I'll pull it up during the break so we can back the clip. But I talked to a uh, bracketologist, good friend of, of the show, and good friend of mine, Patrick Stevens, bracketologist extraordinaire, who at uh, one point was the most accurate bracketologist in the country today, just about quadrants in Syracuse's place and you know bracketology and everything that's going on right now. And uh, I, will, I will give credit where it's due if our boy Pat is out there about the importance of conference tournaments. I'll pull up the audio uh, after this break so we can listen to it. But uh, Patrick Stevens said that, yes, they uh, they are important. So there you go. Another correction. Man, what else am I wrong about today? Wouldn't be the first time, of course. But Syracuse may find itself in that situation. If you lose two out of three and those two are Duke and Clemson, then, yeah, you're going to Brooklyn and you better do damage. That's your last chance. That's the break glass in case of emergency option that you don't want to have to go to, but it's kind of good to know it's there in case, you know, somebody lights a fire. 437-7644. We'll hear more from Jim Beheim later on this hour, but here's a couple more things from Jim. Now, what went wrong, what went wrong, but when asked what he's encouraged by in this team, playing such a competitive game against a top-10 team with a top-5 team to come after that, here's what Jim Beheim said about that last night. Encourage it all. What do you mean? My encourage all. We won at Miami. We won at Louisville. Nobody thought we could win either game. So yeah, I'm absolutely encouraged. We're playing good. Playing really good basketball. North Carolina has been playing really good defense. We shot 50% in the second half. I thought we did the things we needed to do to win. And uh, you're a 70-70 game, and you give the ball away. That's it's not a good play. Can't make those. Plays. I just think it's fascinating the contrast you're sitting here in because those mistakes did cost you. But you know when you look at it the other way, three guys almost beat the number ten team in the country last night. O'Shea Brissett, Frank Howard, Ty's battle with, you know, a supporting cast of Merrick Dolzhai, Pascal Chukwu. A little bit of Baram, a little bit of Matthew Moyer last night, but it was those big three scoring 66 or 74 points. You just can't help but say or look and feel that, boy, if you got just a little bit more, take what Merrick Dolzhai did last game and apply it to this game, and you might come out of there with like an 80-78 win. Game of inches, right? Just a little bit here, a little bit there. Things can swing your way. Let's see what Kevin and Pompey thinks at 437-7644. Kevin, how are you, man? Oh. I'm pretty good, Uncle Brent. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. What's um, cooking? Man, what a heartbreaker last night. Um, you know, and when I say heartbreaker, I got to believe it's a heartbreaker for those kids who are playing their butts off. Um, they, You were spot on earlier in the show. Um, I think we have a lot to um, be encouraged about. Um, we had number 10 come in last night, and we had him on the ropes. Um, I heard some other people talking even last night and this morning about the last play, you know, or not the last play, but, I mean, Cuckoo's mistake. Mm -hmm. Um, It was bad. I mean, there's no way around it. He just got his pocket picked by a great player in Joel Berry, but that's just, that is a bad spot to make that mistake. It wasn't the only mistake of the night. And quite honestly, I, I think a lot of people are harping on it, but 
Um, the the other thing I wanted to say was, I know I know that um, the big three are the scorers of the of our team, and and it is a team. And I think um, you know we we talk about how they play um, for Syracuse and how they're winning the games for us and or losing whichever. Um, but without the other two guys on the court at the same time, those three couldn't do what they're doing. Um, so, I mean, the guys are out there, they're giving it their best effort. And sometimes I feel like some of the people are, you know, talking so much about our big three, which are great and I love them. Um, but if it was just the three of them out there, they'd have a couple more guys on them and, Things would be more difficult. So well, that's what makes it so remarkable, Kevin. Is you know you're you're scouting Syracuse. Like there's no trade secrets here. You know what's coming at you. How they're going to do it. I mean, you can mix up screens and, and things of that nature. Thanks for the call, as always, my friend. But you you kind of know who to go after. And Merrick Dolgi was burning teams a little bit because they were leaving them open. But you know, that's not going to happen anymore. Moyer and Barama are too inconsistent and are frankly playing through injuries right now. Moyer certainly you know recovering, but not a hundred percent. Pascal. Pascal Chuku had 11 rebounds and four blocks last night, and you want to say, man, you chipped in. But the mistakes kind of almost even that out. So while the supporting roles are not underappreciated and are not ignored, you've got three guys that have such a heavy burden and are coming through game in and game out. And everybody knows what's coming. Now, it's mixing up a little bit. of O'Shea's getting some different shots, but... You know, Tyus Battle goes into halftime last night, and I've got a break. Uh, Seth did not inform me with the megaphone this time that I have to break, but we got a break here. But Tyus goes into halftime. He's 3 of 12. And if you're Roy Williams and you're coming out of that halftime locker room, you know what Tyus Battle's going to do. He's going to try and get inside to work from the inside out to get his game going. When you're 3 of 12 and you're not feeling it on the offensive end, you don't start shooting threes. But with Tyus, even when... He certainly picked up in the second half, but he had six assists last night. A season high for him. He had more assists than the point guard. So he found a way to contribute until his offensive game came around. That's what great players do. All right, let's break. We'll certainly talk more SU hoops on the other side, and we'll hear from Jim Beheim in about 15 minutes. Stay right there. Thank you. Bye-bye.